0: Hi, this is Adam Waitman from Snake Charmer and Ozzy Osbourne's band. You're listening to Focus on Metal. Focus on Metal!
1: Hey Mental heads. Scott here and... And Richie, back again. Back again via Skype because of uh, the wonderful world of quarantine. So this is always still very weird. It's like we talk to people over Skype and we interview them all the time, but then we have to do chat with each other. It seems very odd to be doing this over Skype, but... Uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we're, we're, di- we're dinosaurs because... A lot of podcasts now are doing everything over Zoom.
1: Yeah, well, this Zoom and then and uh, you know, there's other ones too. I like the technology we use because I like the the other software that I'm using behind the scenes as well, which ultimately gives us some better audio product. So that's why I'm kind of I, I like this work stream, and it, you know, it seems to work. And so, yeah, I just I just do it, and you know, okay, there's a few things I got to pay for to do it, but yeah, ultimately, it still it works out well. So. So right now, mm. you know, I'm gonna be the dinosaur, and until and the meteor hits me, I'm gonna keep doing it this way.
0: Mm. I'm, um, I'm, I'm like that Rush song, was it Analog Kid? <laughs> or, or the X-F song Analog Man? Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a dinosaur when it comes to all this stuff. But one of the reasons I don't want to do it on Zoom is I don't want people to see what I look like.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean we, I, I got that in the day job too with Zoom, and then. Every so often, this you know, it depends on who we're talking to. You know, they have different; they're using different tech as well. But yeah, usually because of the, my laptop's closed, and so I'm just use a, a blank screen all the time. So,
0: oh, oh, you you do a lot of Zoom and work, do you? Oh yeah, yeah. We, oh, oh okay. I use do
1: tons of remote meetings, like everything that that we're doing now. Even you know, even uh, until what? Till this week when mask changed the the rules, we were only allowed to have. um you know, a certain percentage, I think now we can have like 40% in, but before that it was it was like 20 or something. So it was, uh, you know, out of our front office uh, folks, we were only allowed to have 11 people in the cube farm at any given day. So which is not many people considering that, you know, there's like 50, 60 seats out there, but we, you know, 11 is the max capacity. Even our, uh, even our CEO couldn't come in really one day a week. He was allowed in.
0: Mm. Yeah. One of the, one, one of the things you notice, and you see some screenshots of uh, some of the podcast interviews that are out there. When the musicians are being interviewed now, uh, they don't look like they go, they do when they go on the stage because mm-hmm. they've been offered so long. It's like, you know, some of them look, you know, they look like you know the missing link with all the hair <laughs> and the beards, and <laughs> it's like whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I, like one of them that keeps popping up is um, is, is Brian Wheat, uh-huh. and there's there's been some pictures of him out there, and they're, they're, they're not very kind. <laughs> and it's gotten to the stage with some of the comments on Blabbermouth, it's like can you not use a different picture of Brian? <laughs> Cause he, I, I think there's a couple going out and he's got this big scraggly beard and uh. well, you figure like you're stuck at home uh-huh. uh. and, um, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the, raz- the razor sales have dropped because people don't have to groom themselves as much. Yeah, yeah. That, go- that goes that goes to the musicians as well. Yeah, yeah. you know. So d- d- they all look like Zach Wilde. <laughs> 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 Zach was in quarantine years before everybody else. That's a, that's a,
1: yeah, yeah. So yeah, again, it's yeah, it's weird. It's weird to be doing this over 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 Skype, but uh, you know what? At least we had a method to do it as well. And uh, yeah, and yeah. And speaking of Brian Wheat, you know anybody who hasn't caught it yet, you know can go back to the uh, episode 487 where Richie does a nice talk with Brian all about this uh, Brian's book, Son of a Milkman, plus some good Tesla stuff. So if you missed that one, uh, you can head back either on iTunes or over on FocusOnMetal.net and uh, download or stream that one. So uh, so good interview there.
0: Yeah, I got um, I got some good feedback on that. That I asked mm. a lot of questions that he wasn't being asked in a lot of the other interviews. Yeah, which was de- deliberate on my part. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. So and then he calls, he calls me back. Yeah, which was which shocked <laughs> me because I'd gone back to work. Yeah, and um, at five minutes after I hung up, he calls me and he says. I got some more time. He said you had more questions. So if you want to have some more questions, fire away. And I actually had to say to him, "Brian, can you give me five minutes? I got to come back out of work now, and I'll call you." And he, he was <laughs> gracious enough to to hang on. So you know, he got some bonus material out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think you got more stuff than uh, than most people, uh, you know, got out of that whole interview cycle. So that's good. Yeah. Have you read the book? I have not. I've I've got it sitting here. I just with my schedule, the way the weekend's been going, like all that stuff, I've just, I I really haven't had like time to do much of anything.
0: Mm, You normally read books very quickly, anyway, but it's a great read.
1: Yeah, it seems. I mean, it seems you know kind of short, but uh, you know, with everything that he said in the interview and stuff, it's kind of like okay, well, I can see where where it's going, so I have you know kind of already have a little bit of expectation behind it.
0: Mm, There's actually a lot more in it than you think. The way the way it's written, the way it's written. There's a lot in it. I, it. When I picked it up first, it was, I think it was just over 200 pages. I'm like, mm, there's not going to be much in this. But there's a lot more than you think.
1: Yeah. So I got, I've got, I don't know, four or five books that I haven't really started yet, and then uh, I got this really nice set called the the Stompbox Box Book, which is actually a a massive set. It's thing is is huge, and it's it's really well done. But I've I've gotten like halfway through the first book on that too, and it's just been, yeah, just. Um, just just kind of the way my weekends have been rolling now, I just yeah, haven't really had time to do much of anything. So
0: mm. I started reading, um, you know, Louder Than Hell, that John Wiedehorn book. It's, oh, it's about great. seven or eight years old. That's been staring at me. And every time I pick it up, it's 800 pages. And I look at it and I'm like, nah, I'll go for something a little bit shorter. And I just picked it up mm-hmm. a couple of days ago and it's I'm a about moment. 100 pages in. Yeah. I, well, John's a good writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of the main guys in it. So, uh, did you have him on the show to promote that?
1: Um, no, we had, we have had him on though, but we didn't have him on for yeah. that.
0: Yeah. I think I had him on for his backstage tales. Book yes. That's at the what beginning we of last before. year. Yep. Yep. But yeah, yeah never, we yeah.
1: didn't have him on for that. Cause I, I think we just kind of missed from when the show started. I think when we were, when we were doing that. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going back years now reading really reading books Yeah, that have been, I've, I've had books here. I've got a pile of them. I'm staring at them and there must be probably 30 books in there that <laughs> I couldn't wait to buy when, when they came out Yeah, and I've just been sitting there and I haven't gotten around to reading them. Yeah, well, now's the time, right? Yeah. One of them was, um, the Joe Perry book rocks. Oh yeah. I only, I only, re- I only read that about four or five months ago <laughs> and you, and you had, a, I got them on for you for your, uh, yeah or 50th birthday and that, that book's what four years old
1: yeah it's good it's a good book yeah. that one on joey's is great too
0: yeah 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 i thought the rocks book was excellent but uh yeah so
1: we well, should have plenty of time though because yeah you know we, there's no live show so you have extra time now
0: i do I have a ton of time <laughs> ton tons of time so uh let's talk for a minute about the new releases that are out sure um let's start with the accept one too mean to die. Mm. I, I didn't. I didn't even go after Wolf Hoffman for an interview uh, because January sucked for me because yeah. I had surgery and my wife had COVID and you know th- th- that kind of gets in the way of stuff. You've heard the record, have you?
1: I've heard like bits and pieces of it. Uh, I'm still waiting for my vinyl to come in from uh, from Europe. Okay.
0: Th- yeah, that's one thing I noticed about the vinyl on that. I bought the Dead Daisies album, mm-hmm, yeah, uh, which is which is another thing, another album we'll talk about in a few yeah. minutes. Did you get the purple one? Gonna, I did, but okay. that I got I got that for twenty dollars on Amazon, mm-hmm. and the except one was thirty. And I'm like, well, why is there a ten dollar price difference? It's a bit that's a bit steep. I thought the the, the difference in the price. I, I no, I I'm not in the industry. I don't know how it all works. But the Dead Daisies record was ten dollars cheaper
1: yeah and i and i'd have to go back and see what the gram weight was on the vinyl as well and see on that and then what you know what kind they what they used and stuff too and and then uh i know that like uh i can't even remember which version but you know the the, the version of the vinyl that i got for the accept one is one that's like 300 copies of it and that's it so that also plays okay. into it you know the number of pressings um that that there are for it. the same with the uh, you know with the with the Shanker one I got in this week I got in the red and black marbled one that one's a limited quantity one so you know I've been for some of these I've just been opting to to go ahead and and do those uh just those special uh import you know low volume 200 300 piece ones
0: are you getting the CD and the vinyl
1: yeah so like for Shanker I you know just went off the rails and I got I got the vinyl and then I got the the earbook so it's got uh it's got the CD. It's got two DVDs. It's got a Blu-ray, and then it's a big, and it's all housed in a hardcover book.
0: Mm, and does it have a letter with it from Michael, signed by Michael, saying "I hate Rudolph"? <laughs> 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 the the,
1: uh, the vinyl had a had a poster in it, believe it or not. But, oh, okay. Yeah, but no, no, I hate Rudolph. Note, no. no.
0: I, I, you know what I think is ridiculous in this day and age, um the vinyl isn't ready at the same time as the CD. Mm -hmm. With the the sales in vinyl going up all the time, I can't understand why there's a couple of weeks time difference between the the CD coming out and the vinyl coming out. I I think the, I think the Accept album came out two or three weeks ago and the vinyl is not available yet.
1: Right.
0: I don't don't understand that at all. You think, you know, and that's like sales? that's why
1: with you know when you when you get stuff from Nuclear Blast, you know when you, if you do pre-order they sh- it it's the whole order ships all together. So like you don't get you even if you got your CD, you don't get your CD until the vinyl's ready. That's just they ship it all at once. So it's kind of a, it's a downside. But some of it is is the number of plants that are available for pressing vinyl too. There's still not a crowd mm-hmm. of them. So that's still kind of scaling up. And, and I think okay. it's also the same thing even with the. Um, the new, uh, the new Black Sabbath releases with uh, Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules, where they're doing the deluxe editions for that, and already the ship dates for the vinyl have slipped. You know, they'll be in in uh, mid March. Okay, so it'll, it'll, okay. so those ones will be exactly like you said. That, that if you ordered both. Um, which I did. Then you'll I'll get the CD first, and then the the vinyl will probably come in a couple of weeks later.
0: Mm. I ordered a Dead Daisies album, and I looked at the CD, and I looked at the vinyl, mm-hmm. and I think the CD was like thirteen or fourteen, and the double vinyl gatefold with purple vinyl was twenty, mm-hmm. and it shipped the same day. It did. I got them both together. The the yeah, at the it shipped the day the album came out. Yeah. which is the right way. Which is the right way to do it? I think I, I don't know. I just think this lag, is is a bit ridiculous, especially when it's a couple of weeks, because people are just going to buy the CD. They're not. They're not going to wait three or four weeks to get the vinyl. Uh, yeah, if you're
1: if you're hardcore and if it's kind of the, the you know one of the limited ones, yeah, you will. If it's just uh, you know, kind of the the second run black vinyl or whatever or plain deal, then. Yeah, people might go. Nah, you know, I'll get it later on, and then probably never get around to it. But I think the the other ones, I think they're they're selling pretty well. And, and if you're, you know, um, you know, you you want those, and and you kind of appreciate that, then yeah, you'll end up buying it and waiting.
0: Mm-hmm. So the Accept record, I'm su- a little bit surprised actually that they kept going. Um, but I think if you look, if there's any band now that epitomizes that it, it's all about the singer and the guitar player, mm-hmm. it's, it's accept because, you know, most of the band that did blood of the nations is gone. It's only Mark now and Wolf. Hmm. I was disappointed Peter left.
1: Right. Yeah. That was kind of like the, like the third leg of the stool with, 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 Peter Baltus being there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he was the only one that had come, that's left from blood of the nations besides Wolf and Mark. And he's the only guy from the original band. Hmm. And, um, it was it just came out of the blue that, Peter put out a statement: "I'm no longer in the band," and people went, "Whoa, what's happening here? How is that going to affect the band going forward?" And of course, Mark had a, a, a tragic loss last year; his son passed away, and uh, so this album comes out. Um, I didn't know what I, I didn't know what to really expect of it because. You don't know how much of an integral part Peter was to the songwriting, and with him gone, mm-hmm. would it sound would it sound as good? But it's a it's a very strong album. It, they've now got three guitar players. Um, Mark still sounds awesome on it. it. It's a good record. But one thing I will say, and you, you're pro- you're probably not going to agree with me here, and you're the engineer guy, and you you you're you'll pick up all the nuances and all that, but. As much as I love Andy Sneap and what he's doing, producing and mixing bands now, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the bands that he's doing now are sounding the same. That you could put Biff Byford singing any of these songs, and put Mark singing anything on Thunderbolt, and mm-hmm. or maybe on Firepower. That a lot of the Judas Priest, Saxon, and Accept, which are the three big bands that he's producing now, their albums are starting to sound the same.
1: Mm. And you know, and it could be that. You know, I know that when, you know, you start to get a work stream going and whatever DAW you're using, that sometimes you like you hit upon this kind of formula that works and you can get sucked into kind of, you know, every time you, you start by applying this certain recipe to everything and go, yeah, OK, this this sounds how I want it to sound. And because you've done it like that so many times, the, the band listening to it goes, yeah, you know, because it's familiar, you know, so, so now you kind of go, yeah, I kind of like that. And it's almost like a vicious circle, you know, where mm. it's almost like, think about it like your favorite food. So, you know, you get a dish that's prepared a certain way and, you know, every every time you have it, it's like, yeah, this is what I expect. This is what I expect. And if there's a little change in it, you go, oh, you know, maybe not. And so it's the same thing with, you know, with musicians. it's It sounds familiar. It sounds, it feels comfortable when you're listening to it. Then you tend to fall into that, and like I said, you when you start to develop a work stream as well, that all becomes very, very comfortable as well. You know, it, I'm, I'm probably the, the the best example I can give is back in, uh, oh, probably the early '90s. I had a, a kid who came up to me and asked me to, believe it or not, engineer and remix his rap album for him. I am in intense pain, thank you. And like, like I know anything <laughs> about rap, right? And this is kind of early days of computer audio too. So I did this and I got this work stream together and, and I use certain things and, and basically he freaking loved it. And the next thing you know, I'm doing all these different rap things. And literally all I'm doing is taking what they did and shoving it through this work stream on my on my DAW applying the exact same basically spices to everything and throwing it out and there and because it was like yeah that sounds just like Will's thing yeah I like it and it was just it was this thing where I was just it got very comfortable it got very easy to do it and it was just, it was very cookie cutter and and I just you know had a lot of people coming to me to do it but ultimately you know you go all right I, you know I'm sick of this dish. I don't want to do it anymore. But it it is easy to fall into that kind of a work stream trap.
0: Mm, and there's, again, there's nothing wrong with what Andy is doing. Mm-hmm. All the albums are really good, but I'm just getting the sense that they all all the all the music, the sound, taking the vocals aside, that the, the band's music sounds the same. Sure, and all you start
1: to, you start to work on you know. Because Andy probably, you know, he might not be using regular, you know, a live guitar cabs. So he's got some some impulse response things that he's using instead of cabs, and they all sound good. And he knows exactly how to set them up. And everyone goes, "Yeah, that sounds great. That's a, you know, that's a Marshall. That's in this situation." Which, but speaking of impulse responses, like the new IK Multimedia AmpliTube Five actually has a a uh, a room which is basically supposed to sound like the Garage Bay in Little Mountain. Oh, wow yeah it's pretty it's pretty neat and they don't I mean they don't call it that but you know I, you go through all of it you're like oh this is really the garage bay at little mountain you know so it gives you this impulse response of you know whether it's drums or a guitar cab or an, whatever it is in that space and so you know a lot of those things you you get used to it and people like it and you continue to use it over and over
0: mm, but um the accept record it's a uh, it's very good again
1: yeah, they well, they you know, also it's, they it's put a lot of t- promo work into that too because I got the seven inch single like what back in maybe November, you know they put out the seven inch single first to kind of promote it and get people like psyched about it and stuff and and they've been you know dropping a lot of hints about things and they I think they put a lot of work into drawing some expectations out on this which is nice you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a solid album. Uh, nothing they've done with Mark has been crap. Mm. I think it's all been really good. I think they've done, they've done five records now with Mark singing. So yeah, that, that, like that's a solid album. The other album I want to talk about is, uh, and I mentioned it already, the Dead Daisies record Holy Ground, and of course, you got some big changes in the band. Yeah, and that was very Day- low
1: key too. That whole that whole album really seemed like if unless you followed the Dead Daisies, you it just kind of came out of nowhere.
0: Well, it's been put back a couple of times. Mm. That the album was been done for a while, but yeah, but they were really no pushing touring. on
1: a lot of that stuff for a while, of letting, let you know, because even with you know that cast of characters being so busy with other things that they can't just you know tour like crazy and stuff, they were always good about you know promotion, getting the word out about stuff, and some expectation. I don't know. My my sense was this one kind of just just
0: appeared. Mm. But is this a band? They've had so many lineup changes. It, it, like and again, Doug, I love Doug. Mm. We've had him on the show a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the album comes out and Dean leaves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, karabi uh, like Krabi left, Marco left. And I love the stuff they did with John karabi Yeah. I, I know I know it's David Lowy's band. He's the the low key guy in the band that's not not a not a named guy. Right. Um he's and the, he he's up, the
1: he's he, the Mark Mengji of the band.
0: Yeah, he's basically the, 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 he's, apparently he's loaded. Yeah. From what I, from what I gather, he's, he's got a lot of money. So, you know, he's putting a lot of his time into this now. Mm. Um, the album is really, really good. Is Glenn going to stay, though?
1: Yeah, and see, that's the thing, you know, with, with, <laughs> with stuff like this, is that, you know, I like the things that were getting done before because it really did have, it had a certain band feel. And not every song was like smooth and calculated and all that. There was a little bit of roughness to the band. Now, granted, you know, kind of Karabi's approach to stuff, that helps kind of add that little bit of edge to it and stuff too. But it, it seemed more spontaneous and, and more band-like and, and uh, with that cast of characters.
0: Well, the thing I loved about the band when they had John in it John didn't have multiple bands. Mm. The Dead Daisies was really the only band he was in and, and making really new music with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a big fan of John. I've, I've been a huge fan of John since the Crew album that he did in 94. Mm. Um, but then they get Glenn in. And of course, Glenn is solo albums, You know, doing shows for Deep, deep Purple cover shows um, then he's doing Black Country Communion, and then he's singing on another album. Like Glenn is out there with a lot of different acts, mm. yep. and now he's on this. And I, 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 as much as I love Glenn, and I'm, I'm a big fan, mm. Glenn comes into this band, and th- the album could be great. But in six months' time, he could be gone and doing something else. Mm-hmm. And then, and then what do they do? Who do? They get someone else in, and does Doug leave? And then. Because they've already said they're getting um, Tommy Clufetos in to play drums, hmm. who did the Sabbath tour, uh, the Thirteen tour. It's kind of hard now with the Dead Daisies to get invested in them because y- you have no idea who's going to be on the album on the on the al- one album to the next. Yeah, and it, it's not going to sound the same. It's not the same guys on it. It's yeah. like yeah, and that's where w- I unfortunately, what, what is am
1: at with this too. And because I, like I said, I I I like the band. But I'm at, I'm unfortunately I'm kind of at the same spot where you are, where is this just like, is this a project or is this, is this a band? And yeah. And you going back to consistency, if you're, if you're in a band, I'm old school. And, you know, typically it's my pattern is if I like a band, then I buy everything that they put out, but you usually know what to expect with everything that they put out. And, and now it's like you know, wh- what is this going to be next time? What's the ne- what's the new equation? What am I going to get? Um, it makes it hard to to remain like, like a long term fan.
0: Yeah, it does because you've no you've no idea who's who's in it. Right, and if da- if David Lowy is the only constant in it, and no disrespect to David, hmm. but he's not going to drag in a lot of people with his just just having him in it. Right, he's got to have the big names in 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 the band. And the guys have got to, have got to stay. Um, uh, Doug's done a couple of records with them now. Mm. And Doug is all over this record. He's brilliant. And I'm a big Dean Castronovo fan. And I was really looking forward to hopefully seeing these guys live right. finally. Right. And having Glenn and Dean sing on the same stage. And, of course, now Dean left. Right. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's just an, It's annoying because... The, the music is good, hmm. but um, it's just the continuity thing kind of sucks at the moment. It's the same with a lot of bands. Sure, yeah, you, you've no idea who you're going to get to see. Joel Hoekstra's new album is really good. Mm-hmm. He's got Russell Allen speaking of singers. Yeah, um, he's got Russell all over the records. Russell, yeah. Uh, I, I said it to Joel. Like the yeah. guy can sing the phone. He can sing the phone book, and I'll I, you know make it sound listenable.
1: Right, and if you guys missed it, you know, go back to last week's episode. Where besides talking to Dave Ellison, Richie talks with uh, Joel all about uh, about his new uh, Joel Holsters thirteen. So uh, yeah, if you missed all the four one one on that one, that was last week. Like I said before, you can either go to iTunes or head over to FocusOnMetal.net and download and stream that one.
0: Yeah, that's it's a really solid hard rock record. Yeah, very like it's a, a little a lot like the first one. But again, uh, if, it, if it's got Joel and Russell Allen on it, I'm like, pff, no brainer, <laughs> really, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Let's talk about the Todd LaTorre solo album.
1: Yeah. So, you know, obviously this week, you know, we that's who our guest is. We're talking to Todd all about uh, his his new one, his new solo outing, uh, Rejoice in the Suffering. Is it really a Todd LaTorre solo or is it a Todd and Craig? Either way, you know, it's another great release from Rat Pack for one thing. Joe O'Brien continues to. Uh, to deliver which is awesome and uh mm. for those of you who if you haven't got it yet and you and you know you listen to the interview with todd and decide you know i want this and definitely you can have to rat pack records the the links there but also you can see the link for it right on focus on Metal.net, and there's a there's a link there that'll bring you right over just click on the ad for it and it'll bring you right over to rat pack and all the different bundles and stuff are are there for this one so uh definitely something you probably want to do
0: mm. have you heard it
1: again with with my days, it's kind of uh, bits and pieces, but definitely okay,
0: it's, it's you know
1: if you're if you think you're gonna get Queens you're not getting Queens So which is to me is cool, you know. I mean, I you, love Queens but it's it's this is different Todd. It's not Crimson Glory Todd. It's not Queens right Todd, and it's it's good stuff.
0: It's heavy. Mm. It's a lot. It's a lot heavier than uh, than you probably think. Um, some of it's borderline trash. Yeah, when which, I spoke which works to Todd
1: that's 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 great yeah. for me you know and uh, yeah the only the only questions I even had on this one and I'm surprised you didn't ask him it was why the back half of the book is all Japanese
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have it at the time oh. um I had a a digital coffee, and oh, you know okay. me I fucking hate streaming and mm-hmm. digital shit I can't stand it and I I interviewed Todd before it came out ah, yeah. but I'd listened to the record a couple of times to for research just to see what it was like to maybe get some questions, and of course, Rat Pack sent me a copy, mm. a signed copy, which was nice, and with some stickers and some stuff, and yeah. it's got the three bonus tracks on it. And yeah, you're right, the back of the booklet <laughs> it's all is, is in <laughs> Japanese, um, but I didn't have a physical copy. I couldn't ask him that mm. question. It's like a lot. Sometimes that'll come. That'll happen in interviews. Yeah, you get the physical copy after after it, and you will notice something in it. And because you don't have it when you're interviewing the guy, it's like, damn it, you know. <laughs> but that that's the way to do it now. They just send you out streaming copies, and that's and a press release, and that's all you get. Yeah. But the album is very is very heavy. There's hardly anything on on this record, in my opinion, that would go on a Queensrÿke record.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you um, even asked him in the interview when he was pretty candid about it, of saying that you know. That you know, he brought at least one riff, and they were like, nah, "That's really not Queensryche." And uh, you know, that was a good question on your part, and like I said, honest answer on his part.
0: Yeah, yeah. On a lot of the songs, yeah, you know it's him. But his vocal delivery on some of them was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> he's a gutter It's like guttural, and he's a huge trash metal fan, huge Testament fan. Mm-hmm. If you like fight.
1: Yeah, that I was great. Like I, like I, I right love the off. fact that you guys were talking about fight, and especially the first album. You guys really keyed in on the first album, which is again of of you know I've got all the fight stuff, and and definitely that first album is is my favorite fight release as well. So yeah, and so it was great to hear him talk about how we you know like that, and and the, the kind of the um, the groove from fight, the groove from Pantera, and try, and, yeah. and trying to add that in as well. So yeah,
0: do you know what I loved about talk about it, the interview, talking to him, he just comes across as a huge fan of metal.
1: He does. He was very, and, and very, uh he was definitely like a guy that would be very at home doing a weekly podcast. I mean, all just with, with him just being able to just off the cuff, he's talking about this Testament song and that Testament song and this little part and like all that it was yeah. like very genuine and someone who, yeah, is, really is that Long time, well invested fan.
0: Yeah, mm, you can imagine some of the Queens right guys. They probably say, "Right, Todd, don't bring anything in. It's going to be. It's like Mark Tremonti bringing stuff in into Alter Bridge. It's like, okay, Mark, we've heard all that. None of it's Alter Bridge. Keep keep that for Tremonti." <laughs>
1: Yeah, but yeah, definitely good stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we go through and Todd talks about the album this week. Hopefully you guys, like I said, will go out and uh, and pick yourselves up copies because it's uh, yeah, definitely well worth it and, uh, you know, supports supports the scene, keeps things going.
0: Mm.
2: Hey, this is Lena Ford. You are listening to Focus on Metal.
0: Mm. So we got another couple of minutes, do we? I do have one more thing to bring mm. up that's, that's current. One of the things I noticed, Rex Brown came out again uh, about his autobiography. Uh-huh. And he criticised, again, he didn't name him, but he criticised Mark Eggington, saying that there was stuff that was put in the book that he wanted, he didn't want put in. Stuff like that always amazes me because it's their book. It's their name on the book. Now, I know Mark's name is on the book as well. And you've spoken to Mark. You've interviewed mm-hmm. him. I've never spoken to him. Yeah. And um, surely when the guy writes the book, he sends the book over to Rex. Right. Rex should bother his arse reading the thing. Mm-hmm. And say, is, is all this okay? And then the you know the publisher has to look at it, and then go through it with a fine tooth comb from a lot of different angles. One of them being, will we get sued for saying this or not? Yep. Um, and then it, there's a lot of other things like word count and and all that stuff. And like the thing is not written the week before it's published. No, no. And then published, it's like there has there has to be a gestation period. They got to do all the research, then they got to do the interviews, then they got to write it and edit it and write it and edit it, and then be told you got to take this out. Yeah, I'm sure Some of the
1: authors we've been we talk to, you know, you know, Martin will tell you that it's you know, send it in, and they go, and you you have the first pass with the with the publishing house saying, no, we don't like A, B, and C, but then even you know if he's doing it with somebody, it's going out to them, and they go. Yeah, I don't like this. Or, you know, maybe we should do something different on this or whatever. But, yeah, there's, it's never a case of somebody's just doing it. If it's, you know, if you're writing it with somebody, you know, I don't think that, that, that Chris Epting wrote stuff that Brian Wheat didn't read in, in Son of a Milkman. You know what I mean? I mean, Brian reviewed all of it and said, yeah, I'm good with everything that's in here. And read it and approved it. So, yeah, that's how it works.
0: Yeah. I like Now, if he didn't read it, okay, and it got out there. That's his bad. Now, mm-hmm. if he did read it and then said okay, and then it got out there, and then people didn't react well to some parts of it, you don't throw your the ghostwriter under the bus, which is what basically what he's been what he's done for the last couple of years. Hmm. Um, you have to stand by it. Yeah. You know, you you can't go on. Oh, this came out and then, oh, this part of the book people the Pantera fans didn't react well to it. And then say, I didn't want that in the book anyway. I'm like, you can't, you can't really do that. You know, I don't think that's fair on Mark. I I don't think it's fair on the fans. And um, I think you look like an idiot, to be honest. (laughs) That's just my opinion. You
1: know, you have to be able to, you know, you you get your copy, you read it, you you have your approval stuff. So the, the only thing you can lean on is if something gets written that's literally not in your copy. Or you'd say take something out and it didn't get taken out. But, you know, you don't. Do it this far along in the game, either.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it keeps coming up in interviews, huh. and he keeps saying it. And I know, I know when he said it the first few times that Mark came out mm-hmm. and said that it, Rex was okay with everything that was in it. I have no idea what he's on about. Mm. So I think because it's his book, they're pointing the finger at him, saying, "Why, you know, probably something like why are you talking about dime like that." Mm. And then Rex has got probably went well. I don't want to be seen as the the bad guy, so I didn't want that in the book anyway. What whatever story it was, or something maybe it could be something about Phil or or, or Vinny, and um, but you know the book comes out. You read the book, you know you you have to okay everything in it. Right, it's just, it's just dumb, you know. What he's, you know, I I just don't get it. You know, you just, but you know. Have some stones and say, "Yeah, I brought the book out. This is what I was thinking at the time. I stand by everything that's in it." And then you might say, "Now, with the benefit of hindsight, I mightn't have wanted it in the book if I was to do it now." Say it that way rather than say, oh, yeah, when the book came out, I didn't want it back then in right. the book." Like that's,
1: sure. yeah, that, you know. Sometimes, cause, yeah, because sometimes you know you might be you just kind of have your panties in a bunch at some point, and later on you're like, "Ah, you go back and look at it and go." Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But you I mean, you mean you eat the shit sandwich and you, you just tell the truth and you move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And people keep asking him about the book and he keeps coming up about you know. Any anyway, anyway, I just thought we'd we talk about that for mm-hmm. a couple of minutes. I, I just don't I don't get his attitude on it at all. Mm. You know, own it. Sure. You got you gotta own it. It's your book. You gotta own it. Don't be blaming other people years down the line so you know like this it, you just come across like a winger mm. you know so anyway rant over <laughs> <laughs> all right so
1: with with that what do you say we uh we dive into uh your talk with uh with Todd Latore all
0: about rejoice in the suffering okay todd how you doing
2: doing good how are you
0: i'm okay so uh where are you what where in the us are you
2: St. Petersburg, Florida.
0: Oh, you nice. Sunshine
2: country. and palm trees, no snow. Yeah. <laughs> How I about you?
0: Um, I'm just outside of Boston, got two feet of snow.
2: Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> I'm originally, yeah, that's, I'm, yeah, that's rough.
0: Yeah, I'm originally from Ireland, though, where we don't get much snow at all.
2: Gotcha. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: What's what's the worst weather you've done an outdoor show in?
2: Um. Well, I mean, you know, you get sometimes you play in rain, but I remember one time we played New Year's in Las Vegas and it was like 32 degrees okay. outside. And so sing, you know, the guys playing guitar, you know, they can barely move their fingers. <laughs> and they're, you know, that's, and then, and then literally like my teeth were damn near battering. And then right when it came to sing, you know, it was so hard to sing when you're, you know, how when you're cold and you're going, uh, 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 and your mouth is, is doing that. I yeah. mean, I'm trying to sing like that, and it, it was, it was, it sucked. Okay. <laughs> so I would probably say that one sticks out in my mind, yeah.
0: Uh, one of the things I've been asking the singers as well is uh, what's the sickest you've ever done a show and pulled it off?
2: Oh, I've been sick a few times where it's like, you know, into the eyes of a stranger. You know, it's like an, it's like very white. You know, this is, you know. So I rem, I remember I had a, a sign. I was really sick one time in, uh, in um Tennessee, and it was just, you know, it's just brutal. I had a sinus infection, and then there's a time where um I had bronchitis. Like a lot of people were sick on that tour. And, you know, you're just, your voice is so raspy and your range, the range sucks. And you literally feel like a deer in the headlights. It's a horrible feeling because you know what they're expecting. And you know that under other circumstances, you could totally do it. But yeah, there's a handful of shows where, you know, it's just, um, you know, you're sick, or or you just the fatigue. You're, t- you know, the, the climates. You know, you're 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 flying, so you're in cabin air. It's dry, and then you land somewhere, so you're you're never getting acclimated. And being from Florida, I'm used to damn near sea level and a lot of humidity. So it's it's always a struggle when you start getting into other areas that are much drier and higher altitudes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um- some of the guitar players I've been talking to recently, what they're doing in the downtime because of COVID is they're, they're offering Skype lessons to supplement their income. Is that something yeah. you're... Are you offering vocal lessons or are you doing session work in your downtime?
2: I don't, I don't teach vocals at all because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how to teach. Look, I'm not schooled. I'm not trained. I don't know all of the, you know, the anatomy and the anatomical, you have to know to translate, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? So I, you know, I don't, I don't give any lessons. Um, and I've done a few, uh, a few session things on the side. Um, you know, just for fun, you know, um, not, not necessarily as a, a way to supplement my income, but, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people do teach on their downtime. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not capable of somebody, you know, but it's a lot of experimentation. It would be me just sharing what works for me because everybody's different. and I would hate to give someone ad- advice that maybe, I don't know, just wasn't beneficial to them. I I would want somebody to really get the biggest bang for their buck. And I don't, I don't know that as far as like a coach, uh, somebody that could talk about all of the aspects of singing and touring and, and like a more well-rounded area. Uh, I think I could provide a benefit to someone seeking that, or even like how to, how to record themselves, you know, start doing home recording. That would be kind of fun. Or even like, uh, you know, kind of songwriting, helping somebody shape up their songs, you know, with, oh, you're saying too many words here. You need to pull back and let this breathe. And this is setting up the chorus. So maybe we want to look at some other notes to, you know, bring this to life more. I think that would be a, a more enjoyable for me and, a, and a, probably a much more beneficial experience to, to someone uh, on the receiving end of that.
0: Mm. Todd, how have you kept your voice in shape? over the last year do, do you sing a lot or outside the studio or or is it just in the studio every so often cuz like a lot of you hear a lot of singers say it's like a muscle that you have to keep it you know you have to keep using it
2: yeah um you know when i when i was doing this record i was singing you know for months in the studio and i was really kind of conditioned for for what i was doing on this record um and normally you're you're touring, so you're kind of always conditioned. You know, it's it's a weird thing, Richie, because um, you've got that fine balance between I need to keep singing to keep it up, and then I need to stop singing for rest. Mm. So it, it's like, should I sing today just to keep? using that mus- the muscles or should I not do anything to just give my voice a rest? And I never really have the answer to that. I really don't. And, and a lot of singers that I know and talk to, they kind of feel the same way. Um, but as far as like during this whole year, other than just singing on my record, you know, I sing around the house and in the car here and there. But, you know, I used to do like constantly, I would be constantly doing like metal screams all the time. And that's probably something I need to get back in the studio and start working on my range again, going through some exercises properly and, and kind of see where I'm at. And, and also it's the conditioning for a live show. You know, I know that when we go back out and do that first show, I'm going to be winded and tired and all of us are always like, holy shit, that was hard. <laughs> because you're not used to, you're not, we haven't done it in a year almost, Yeah, which is crazy.
0: Mm. Now, I remember a couple of years ago, Rat Pack on their website, they announced that you had a solo album on the way. Um, yeah. I think it was like 2019. Uh, was, it, <laughs> was was most of it written back then?
2: Um, Craig and I had the song Rejoice in the Suffering written, and we had, you know, like some riffs of other songs. And the, the idea was, OK, I'm going to have this done by 2019. It just whether songs were written or not the goal. And that, that was the plan. And then of course, you know, we do another drake album and then it just occupies so much time between writing and recording and then touring and all the travel, it it became a running joke. I remember one time the label said, uh, Oh, I'm going to change the banner and just put 2021 on there. And you know, it sounded so ridiculous at the time, like, Oh, huh. like, yeah, You know, it's not going to be that long. And then sure enough, you blink and a year goes by. You blink, another year goes by. You really have to to harness that time, you know, harness the energy and the time and just make it happen. Otherwise, years will go by and, and, you know, you didn't get anything done. So when the shutdown happened, I called Craig and I said, this is the time right now, no matter what we're going we're going to get this done and that's what we did.
0: Mm-hmm. So how old are some of these ideas? are some of them like 5 years old or 10 years
2: old? Uh so the song Rejoice in the Suffering, we wrote that like 6 year 5 6 years ago. And then um and then there was a little piece of the riff to uh, Hellbound and Doubt which was a little bit different and then um part of Apology was there and a little bit of one by one. And that was, that was dead, but like nothing. The, the only thing there's a, there's a, like a musical section in the song vexed that's kind of like a groove. Um, that, and the beginning of the very beginning of critical cynic, those were two pieces of music that Craig and I did together back in like 96 or seven. Wow. Um, we, we were writing, we were writing, uh, songs together because we were roommates back then. And um I always liked in particular these two pieces of music. So when it came time for this I said, Hey, you remember that that digga 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 da Hey, can we let's find a place for that? And then this other groove and we always I always said, Man, we gotta find a way where it makes musical sense because I I always thought it was so cool and I and I would hate to like Just let that go again other than that everything else was written Uh, I would say you know 95% of the record was written and then all of it was recorded uh, within that four-month period starting mid-March
0: are any of these ideas Todd ever submitted for any of the Queensryche albums you've done Uh,
2: no the only thing that I showed the guys was um, In the song, Darkened Majesty, there's a a part where I say, mirror, mirror on the wall. And there's a guitar riff that's like... uh, uh, That that riff, um, I had as part of a demo song that I showed them for the Verdict writing sessions. But um, it got passed on. And I said, nope, no problem. It's really not in the Drake style, to be honest, that riff. Um, you know, it's more thrashy and heavier than what Drake would write. So I said, no, no, no problem. I'm going to use that for my own stuff if we're not going to um, use it. So other than that one little tiny guitar piece, you know, nothing was ever. Pr- it was all brand new stuff that, that Craig came up with and that we did together.
0: Hmm. Um, I've heard the full record. Uh, and I'm just interested to hear from you what other people are saying about it. W- what other bands are they comparing it to? Is there one or two of them that they're they're saying it definitely sounds like this band?
2: Oh, I would say most people, you know, the, the most common band that people try to compare it to is Fight.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say um, that.
2: <laughs> you know, fight, some people will say Overkill, yeah. Uh, You know, Judas Priest or Halford, musically. You know, I, look, Fight, one of the things I always loved about Fight was the groove. You know, was just the groove. I don't want to write songs that are just, you know, I don't want that. I want music like Pantera. You know, that always had groove and made you, you know, Want to move your head up and down, and your body going. And fight was the same way. And uh, when we wrote these songs, I said, man, this this has to groove. The the record has to have groove. And so, you know, I, if people want to compare it to fight, you know, I'll consider it a compliment because the first fight record was, you know, one of my favorites for sure. Um, but that that's a common one that people like to try to compare it to.
0: Mm. Well, I, I think Todd, I don't know. I think you're a couple of years younger than me. I'm 50 this year. So when I was saying
2: 40, I'll be 47 this month.
0: Yeah. So, so when my wheelhouse for when I really got into metal was say 86 to 90 and I'm a couple of yep. years older than you. So I'm thinking fight came out in like 90, 91, 92. And so did Pantera. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. that they really influenced you because you were a couple of years younger than me when you were really getting into metal.
2: Well, I mean they I was already you know full blown into metal way before that. Okay. I mean I was listening I I was listening to um you know Testament um years before that, uh Overkill, like uh taking over. I was listening to when that, you know, in Union We Stand and all that, you know, when that when that stuff came out. Um and, you know, Megadeth, Cacophony. Um, so, you know, a little bit of Halloween, but I I was, you know, I was definitely already, I was already had been playing in bands and clubs and stuff by the time, by the time fight and Pantera came out, they, they were new in the scene well after I was already, uh, listening and, and and into heavy metal.
0: Mm. Todd, what's the first metal show you went to when you were a kid?
2: Oh, the first metal show. Yeah. Oh, um, maybe, let's see, maybe Sabotage, because they're from here, and, and they played at a place called Janus that's, like, five minutes down the road downtown. Um, yeah, I would say maybe Sabotage in, like, the late 80s, and then, you know, Testament, Overkill, um i think that's the first like quote metal show um although they're you know on the light i'd sabotage on the lighter end of of that spectrum um yeah i would probably maybe sabotage
0: mm. now i want to talk to you about one of the bonus tracks on the record one by one i listen yeah. i listen to that now and the vocals on that the guttural stuff that's all you right
2: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like 100.
0: If I if I was to put that on and not tell anybody who it was, first of all, it reminded me a little bit of some something like Creator. And if if, okay. if, they, if they were to listen to you sing that, and I said that's Todd LaTorre, I don't think people would believe me.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? I love doing, I love doing that stuff. And in fact, you know, I'm a huge fan of Testament, and and you know they had you know. To practice, watch your preach, preach, you know, yes. he would do that or or he would do a, obey. Oh, believe you do that cross, you know, he would do the cross, make it sound really brutal. Then they came out with dog face gods. Oh, dog face gods, you know, and yes. it was like, "Oh, I love that." So, I always like love the growling that Chuck Billy did. And so I've been doing that kind of sound for 20 years. Um I you know, and I wanted to to experiment with more of the black metal tremolo picking because every, everything is always palm muted and more thrashy. And, uh, when we did this, you know, I said to Craig, Hey, I like the thrash intro, but then there's some aspects where let's open up and do tremolo picking with these open chords, you know, these other chords. And it just allowed me to vocalize in a way that I is super fun to do. Cause you're not singing notes, you know, guttural people you know that that do that that's not singing that's just vocalizing but it's a lot of fun to do and I think people are going to totally be shocked but it it is 100% my voice Um, I can do it you know and, and I've been doing it for a long time just nobody ever got to hear me do it more than like one little growl or something on a live show for example
0: yeah Um, you've done a couple of records now with uh, Chris Seuss Harris Queensrike albums. Um, yeah. d- did he know you had this style of vocals in you?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Because when we do the Queensrike stuff, um, you know, we'll be recording or messing around with stuff, and he'll be like, "Check the mic," you know, and I'll be like, "Wonderland," oh, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll be like, "Come on," you know, and and then I'll 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 do something kind of operatic, and then. I'll do. Uh, I'll sing like Neil Diamond or, or the guy from Green Day, or I'll just have fun joking in the mic. So he he knows I can do all these different things with my voice, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's. Um, you know, I, I I I like to compare it to a guitar player because a lot of people will say, "Well, what does he sound like?" Right? People say that. What is what does Todd sound like? oh, he, he definitely is is forcing himself to sound like Queensryche because listen to his solo stuff. He doesn't sound anything like that. And my answer to that is, number one, that's total bullshit. <laughs> it, it is, that is my voice. And there's parts of this record that I would totally sing just like that on a Queensryche record. Um, but I like to compare it to a guitar player. You know, if I said, here's a guitar you have one pickup no pickup selector and a distortion channel and that's all you have a lot of singers just have one sound no matter what they sing they that's their sound and they don't they can't sing any other way because that's just how they sing but i i feel like i'm a guy that has a clean channel too and i have effects a pedal board in front of me where i can i can use all these different tools at my disposal and why wouldn't I want to, it's like having a Ferrari and you can't leave first gear. Mm. Why would I not want to utilize all of the things at my disposal, depending on what that music calls for? So a song like One by One, it's, yeah, I like to do the gutturals. A song like Vanguard to the Don Wall, I want to sing shrill and gritty and high and choppy with no like melodic singing, singing per se. And then you have you know a song like crossroads to insanity so i'm able to do a lot of different things with my voice and uh i think that that's highlighted on the record and and people get to see a much fuller uh range of my capabilities
0: Mm. what's the difference for you and how you approach singing the Crimson Glory songs to the Queen's songs. Is is there? Did you have a different mentality in how you approach singing them? Are are they are they very different to sing?
2: You know, they they, they are in many ways, and then there are similarities. Um, in fact, I, I really want to go back into my studio and put on some of those things that I used to sing from Crimson Glory because when I when I got in that band my range was on fire. I mean, of course, that was over a decade ago. And, you know, I don't know, eight, nine hundred shows prior to, to where I'm at now. But my voice was a lot. I, I mean, it was the Crimson Glory thing was a much scratchier vocal delivery. So if if you know those songs, a song like uh, Mask of the Red Death or Red Sharks, mm-hmm. or, you know, th- those were, were much more gritty but then you have clean things like painted skies. I think I could sing painted skies better now than when I was in the band, but my high range is not as good now as it was in crimson glory. But I think it's just because I don't, I don't sing those songs anymore. And like when you, when you went back to the muscle thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm really a baritone And when I speak to people, a lot of times I'll, pi- I'll pitch my voice a little higher cause it's, it's easier and it cuts through the sound, the noise better. But when I normally speak, if I'm just speaking, relax, it's down here. Mm. This is my normal speaking voice. So my, I'm really a baritone that just was able to, to hit some of these high notes. Um, you know, the, the Queensryche, when I got that, that gig, um, you know it was really hard for me to to sing clean because i've never been a super clean singer and learning the control that those songs require was was a bit of a shift there were things that i had to really practice and a lot of it's muscle memory but you know when it came time to to do the high stuff when i first got in the band they said okay what do you want to start with the very first time what do you want to play I'm like, well, let's warm up with Queen of the Rites. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, let's Queen of the Rites. <laughs> they were like, you're kidding me. I was like, no, I could sing that in my sleep. And it was easy. You know, now I, I need to go back and, and find those mechanisms. There's something in my throat that sometimes I can sing really high effortlessly. And then there's other times where it's just not accessible. And it's a mental game. And I say, why, why is that? What? How come I can't access that like I used to every single time? And then there's days where it just comes out no problem. So it's always like I'm still discovering things about singing and my voice and that kind of thing. But the Crimson Glory thing was much higher, grittier, clean, dry, cleaner, cleaner, a little more control, a little less wild.
0: Mm-hmm. I only got a couple of questions left, Todd. um
2: Yeah, yeah, we're good.
0: What what are your memories of um doing the Vixen show on the cruise? How did you end up doing that?
2: Oh, yeah. So Janet, uh, the who was the singer of the band, um she had some health issues. Uh I think she, I don't want to say what it was cuz I I don't want to speak out of turn. I can't remember, but it was I think it was like some kind of a brain tumor type thing and um she had to there was something going on with her head her skull and she needed surgery. And uh, I feel like an asshole right now. Cause I'm my, it escapes my mind exactly what it was. And mm-hmm. I feel bad about that cause I like her and she's a good person, yeah. but they asked me, Hey, you know, she's not on the boat. Everybody else is here. We're going to ask a bunch of other singers to come up and do some things to kind of help, you know, just so they can still perform. And so, so, um, I think share and Roxy called me and said, Hey, you know, would you be willing and able to do edge of a broken heart? And I was like, Jesus, that's a hard song to sing for a guy. And they're like, Oh, you could do it. You sing in Queens, right? You sing high. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's not the same, you know? And so they just asked me to do it. And. You know, I didn't really sing it that good. I, I, I wish that I would have done better for them, but it was it was an honor because I like the band a lot and they're really sweet, sweet people. And, and I you know remember growing up, seeing their videos and hearing them, and I am friends with all of them, but that's how that came to be, was um, she wasn't able to be on the boat and I was just one of a handful of other singers that kind of helped out so that they could perform.
0: Nice. Final question for me, Todd If you were to put one Queensryche song In the set that you've never done live Which one would you put in? Oh, oh
2: that's a good one um, hmm. I'm going to give you two Okay So number number one will be Della Brown Oh wow, Empire and, Okay yeah, Number one would be Della Brown Not in any particular order But that that is a song that would be a lot of fun to do and then another one would be um would be maybe um before the storm that's a good i love that song
0: okay from the debut album warning
2: yeah that's yeah. such a good that's my favorite record from the past from from them okay uh, so that would, that would be that would be there's a couple parts that are kind of hard to sing in that song but you know, if I could do it justice, that that's a song that would be um a lot of fun to do.
0: Okay. All right, Todd. Well, do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can get a touch with you and, and pick up a copy of the
2: record? Yeah, man. So um they can go to Rat Pack Records. It's R A T T A K. Rat Pack Records uh dot com. And there's there's um links there to buy, to buy some different bundles that the label has to offer some, some signed stuff. Um, obviously it's all over Amazon. Um, there's different retailers, but there's a lot of closures. So I don't know if some of the record stores are open right now. Um, and then my, my website, which is just toddlatore.com. I'll be launching official merch, um, within the next few days. Um, and people can finally get uh, the album t-shirt, and I'll have uh, a mask and some other signed cool stuff. So yeah, it's there's links out there, and, and, and my Facebook, Todd LaTori Official, we're always posting there. So between Rat Pack Records and anything official from me, Todd Latory, they can uh, find all kinds of information and links to purchasing and view, look at videos and everything else.
0: Okay, well Todd, it's been a pleasure talking to you. The album is killer.
2: Thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate it, and I, I'm glad that you like it. And 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 you know, tell everybody about it because we got a lot of a lot of love in this thing, and we just want to share it with with uh, with the heavy metal fans out there.
0: Okay, well, hopefully, I'll see you out there at some stage, Todd, when the concerts get back going.
2: I hope so, and and when that happens, you make sure to contact the personnel it you know so we can uh meet in person and i don't know have a cup of coffee or something
0: perfect all right todd have a good rest of the day take care of yourself okay you, you um, too thanks okay. again bye okay bye-bye
1: all right here we go richie's talk with uh with todd latori and you know hopefully at some point things will open up we'll get to see whether it's queens or todd puts together some kind of a touring thing or whatever it is and uh we get to see them uh you know out there on the road again but uh yeah, I mean, good stuff, and I think uh, what, I think next week I think next week we're doing um, what is it, uh, you you talk with uh, the
0: author of uh, Diary of a Rody. Uh Joel Miller. That's it, Joel Miller. I did that one before Christmas mm. because of the break and everything that has been going on. Yeah, uh, We're only getting that out now, but I always wanted to get a roadie on. Right. Joel had Joel worked with Guns N' Roses and Stone Temple Pilots and the Cranberries and these roadie guys, you know, it doesn't matter what genre of music, a roadie's a roadie's a roadie. And um, he brought out a book, Memoir of a Roadie, it's on Amazon, it's about 500 pages. And uh, he was a kid when he did it, and um, he has some great stories in it. And I wanted to pick Joel's brain about it, and I think I spoke to him for well, so an hour, I think.
1: Well, yeah, an hour. Yeah, we we have one yeah. other one we haven't we we haven't run that was done. I know. Wow, it's, years ago. Let's see. Uh, let's look quick on the date here. We actually <laughs> did it in 2018, dude. <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah,
0: but the audio got screwed up It never recorded my voice. Yeah, so, so it's all yeah, I got
1: I gotta fix the audio, but we have it. It's been. It's sitting in the vault. It's been out there. It's been sitting in the vault
0: since 20... Holy crap, since 2018. Yeah, yeah but you, you mentioned last week um, Pete Mikowski Yeah. I did two hours of Pete Mikowski over <laughs> two days. Yeah. Actually, no, I'll, I'll go back a little bit. I did three hours. The first day I spoke to him uh, for an hour, and it recorded nothing. And I had no idea why, and I contacted Pete and... The next day, Pete was gracious enough to talk to me for an hour. Anyone doesn't know, Pete Mikowski wrote for Sounds and Kerrang mm-hmm. for, for and, years yes. in, in the seventies and eighties. Right, and he, and he came um, up
1: in the uh, in the Brian Weenie interview.
0: Yeah, that's that's why you mentioned it that yeah. we had two hours of Pete Mikowski, yeah.
1: and that's that has that been 2019. since 2019. 2019.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So we did we have two hours of Pete that we haven't aired.
1: Yep, and that one's been and, all edited, and I've just been sitting on it. Another one that's uh, that's in the vault.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got we've we've got that um, and then we have who else have we got coming up we got Johnny D oh that's right on, on John- on with Johnny D yeah jo- Johnny was I think I spoke to Johnny for like an hour and 20 minutes yeah um, that was that was an interesting one because I was skilled to talk to Johnny and jo- Johnny's got a young kid mm. And uh there's no I called Johnny a couple of times and we'd schedule we we scheduled a phone call and everything. Johnny lives in Germany now. Oh. Um so he's six hours ahead. And um, I thought he completely forgot about it. <laughs> and you know, he calls me back and or he says, Can you call me back? And I called him and he was he, he was great. Um. But he was putting the kid down. And I know damn well what kids are like to put down sometimes. They don't go down when they're supposed to go down. And uh, but I yeah, I spoke to Johnny for like probably an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, I could not like
1: sl- two episodes on that one. Then you've got the author for rusted metal. Oh, it's another yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian. Yeah. so yeah. We've got, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we're, it's, it's weird. You kind of, you kind of go away. You think you have break and, uh, you know, I, I guess I'd rather have the feast than the famine. So it's,
0: it's good. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be other interviews that are going to be coming up. I've got, I'm trying to get one or one more throwback episode. We'll see if that works. Um, I've been messaging the guy back and forth because I've done the Johnny D one, so that's Britney Fox. Mm-hmm. So that's Bite Down Hard. And then there's another record that came out in 91 that the guitar player I, I hope to have on. Uh, we've never had him on the show before. And it's an album that, for want of a better term, shit their career. <laughs> really, it's uh, it completely put them dead in the water after their first couple of releases were groundbreaking. Yeah, And um, so we'll see if that, if that works out, yeah. hopefully I can, I can get that, but that's something that, you know, because it's the 30th anniversary, I've got, we've got time to get that done. It's not something that, mm. you know, I have to get done in the next week or two. Yeah. And then, it's, but it's we're, good. We're, I mean, we've got, we've
1: got lots of stuff and, and uh, you know, and, and, and it's interesting too, because, you know we're kind of in this uh we've kind of hit this groove i think of of kind of what focus on metal is now and it's it definitely changed a lot over the you know 11 years we've been on the air but you know it looks like we're finally getting some some actual you know decent traction without uh without having to use clickbait or anything else just kind of doing an honest week after week effort to give out what we think people want to hear and i think you know we made a a couple of nice, you know, podcast to listen to type lists for the end of the year. And, stuff. Mm. and uh obviously, you know, your work on Facebook, you know, the the community for Focus on Metal on Facebook has gotten, what, hit over 10,000, over 10,000 as well. So that's, yeah. you know, just I think it's good that, you know, we've been sticking to our guns, not using any kind of, you know, other bullshit methods to get people to listen to it or whatever. We are just, you know. Uh, kind of an honest week to week. I think people are starting to, you know, get like, Oh, okay. We know, we know kind of what to expect every week from these guys as well. So it's, uh, I, I think, uh, in, in a way we've kind of hit our Andy Sneap groove on, on what the show is.
0: <laughs> true. True. Well, before I go, let's put a shout out to the rock and pod guys, mm. uh, Chris and Aaron and all them. They're, they're having it again. I, th- I think in August and the day I'm talking to you, they just announced Billy Sheen as one of the, uh, one of the guests. Nice. Um, they've got a lot of people that have been at previous ones, but they announced Billy Sheen today. And I think because of where it's where it's on in Nashville and the guys aren't touring, there's a chance now that they might get some other big names mm, if they're good. not on the road that might be added. Like hopefully you know they might try to get maybe Kip Winger and who else geez, who else lives in Nashville? Brad well I don't know about Brad Whitford, but mm. I think he lives there as well. But you know, oh, hopefully uh, Tom cool. Kiefer lives there. Yep. But yeah, they, they announced Billy today, and Great. you know, shout out to the guys for doing that. We can never go because of war. My yeah. job and your job. I, I may actually
1: go. have to make an excuse to go this year, and it's only <laughs> because now my youngest just moved to Knoxville.
0: Ah, and tennis. Okay.
1: You know, so yeah, obviously it's not right next door to to Nashville. You know, Nashville's kind of in the middle of Tennessee, but yeah, but she's down in in Knoxville now for God knows what freaking reason. But anyways, I you know, it just may have to be that I I, I actually have to make the pilgrimage to to do it. So we'll okay, say.
0: it's it sounds like a lot of fun. I don't think I can swing it. Yeah, if, even if I went, there's no way I'd do the show down there because I'm. I have no idea this technology bullshit. <laughs> really, I, I, the guys to make like I'd make a show of myself. All these guys setting up stuff, and I'd be like, "Hmm, okay." <laughs> how do you? I wouldn't even be asking them how they do it. Yeah, but um, yeah, it, it sounds like a lot of fun, and you know they, they didn't have it last year because of COVID, and they're going out. You know, they're doing it again this year, and it's you know it it, it it's going to be great. I really do wish I could go. Mm. And it sounds like they've got some really good guests this year. Some returning guests and some new ones. So, yeah. you know, kudos to the guys for doing it. So we'll, yeah, so,
1: we'll see. I mean, definitely, they'll be shocked as hell if one of us shows up. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they probably, I don't know. They probably would. They're probably like, who are these guys? <laughs> so, hey, hey, we're coming up on episode 500.
1: You know, that's an interesting thing that you mentioned that. Because I actually, I mean, granted, you know, this is officially episode 489, but if you go back and you go to look at all of the the special editions we did, like over the summer, and all the bonus editions I've done, and I've put out some other you know, ones in the past as well, I actually think we're past 500 with an with well, an
0: actual you, what, episode count. What, what are we about 700? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I think we're
0: we're I think we're actually. Past five hundred. Okay, I don't know what to do for episode five hundred. I, I have know. some. I mean, three hundred was easy
1: We did the double episode of Master of Puppets. It worked out really well. But uh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, I have an idea—a uh, career retrospective. But okay, I don't even know if it's going to get off the ground or not.
1: But one you of know, the things I have eleven th- more episodes to go before the, I know. One before it, we do one of episode five hundred, so
0: one one of the things I was, t- was thinking of doing was. Do you remember the chat you had with Jay in the very, very beginning from an idea I had about a comparison with different singers in the in their 90s material? I've always wanted for years to do that with you as a uh-huh. discussion, and we've never done it. <laughs> and I'm not going to say what it is. I, I'll, I'll tell you off the air, but huh. I remember you did it. And when I started doing the show, you said to me that, it would have been better if I did it with you because you knew the albums more than Jay did. Mm. That he knew a couple of them and not, not the rest of them in in depth. Okay. That it was your idea and I did it with him because you suggested it as an idea. But it would have been better doing it with you. And I, for years I've been saying I'd love to get around and do that for huh. eight years. And we've never done it. So okay. we maybe... If things work out, we can do that for episode. Yeah, five. We can do that,
1: yeah. So I just I, while we yeah. were talking, I quickly went back to the database and and looked at the sequel records. And so this episode, or last, I'm sorry, last week's episode was actually number five hundred two. That was the the actual number of shows we've done is five hundred two. So not not the episode because obviously last week was was four eighty eight. Um, okay. When you add all the bonuses and everything else, yeah. Then, so that was actually the 502nd focus on metal ever.
0: Okay. And yeah. we'll just celebrate 500 again. But we can.
1: <laughs> but you know, we get. We'll, we're coming up to the official. Like I never thought we'd ever get this far, but up to number 500. But yeah, just it's it's curious the way it all works out. But uh, it's yeah, an amazing. Even speaking of Jay, believe it or not, I actually still have a a in the vault. Never run Ace, really. Ace Frehley episode with Jay. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's right. Be, you might, look in all some of the episodes that we have, that we haven't aired, you just forget about them. Mm-hmm. And you don't do it on purpose. It's like, you know, yeah, we'll run that. And then something more timely comes up. And then something else more timely. And it's just like, yeah, these ones aren't really, you know, they're not timely. You don't need to run them. And then you just don't run them. <laughs> and it's not that you don't mean to. It's yep. just... Just a lot of stuff comes up in the meantime, and apparently a lot of that is my fault, I probably take on too much sometimes and then you know, because the Pete Mikowski thing would be a classic example of that
1: Yeah, but but along the way there's always a thing of, you know, part of our thing, right is that, is kind of to support and and inform and all that, so it's, you know, so we kind of, we do the history pieces, we kind of preserve that, and then at the same time you know, something comes up like, you know, for this week, you know, with Todd, we want to get the word out. We want to get people, you know, support behind the mm-hmm. album and stuff. And I think it's, you know, it, it, I liken it to, and again, you know, I'm a gearhead, so I do, I, I actually probably watch more YouTube guitar gear stuff than I actually do actual television, just watching YouTube on the TV. And in like, I do uh, the, the JHS pedal show. I, you know, every week I, uh, I watch that. And, you know, Josh goes from, you know, he'll do a historical rest- retrospective on a brand or something like that. And then the next week, it's it could be like the latest release of a pedal or something like that. And it's it's very similar. It's almost like focus on metal for pedals. So it's that same, <laughs> same kind of thought process of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, I like the way we do it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it, I try and do it, you know, when it comes to the people that we've on the show. I try and balance it a little bit. I could easily do a new album every single week. I could get on a guy that has a new record. 90% of them I've never heard of. Uh So the interviews I don't think would be as good. I really enjoy doing the throwback episodes because these are albums that I grew up with years ago. And I've had questions for years and now I get the opportunity to ask the guys the question saying why did you do that why didn't you do that i'm just curious about a lot of this stuff there's nothing current about it um i could probably get bands on that have current product that they want to get out but i want to mix it up a little bit absolutely so that's all i got all right well
1: (laughs) i guess i guess that's uh that's that then there's uh that's it there ain't no more stick a fork in it this puppy is done so, for Richie and myself... Yep. See ya. That's it. And uh, till we talk to you again next week, as always, remember... Focus on metal.
2: Everything else is insignificant. Uh...